Hello and welcome to day three of our Traversing Creation mini-series in the Traversing Emmaus podcast. We are going slowly through Pope Francis's Laudato Si document. In day one, we heard Pope Francis's message for the World Day of Prayer for Creation. In day two, we heard the opening paragraphs from one through to nine, setting the scene for what this document concerns, and really it concerns all of life, every aspect of civil life, everything, uh, moral life, the spiritual life, ecumenical life, everything. Um, the, the Pope describes all of life as a, as a single book, quoting Benedict XVI, in which all our concerns are, are compiled, and, and, and yet it has to be a, a, an intelligible story of faith and love. But today we look at Pope Francis's um, I guess, introduction to the person of St. Francis of Assisi and his ecological vision of God's creation, and then the Holy Father's appeal. That's paragraphs 10 to 12, and then his appeal is from 13 to 16. So let's hear from the Holy Father. I do not want to write this encyclical without turning to the attractive and compelling figure whose name I took as my guide and inspiration when I was elected Bishop of Rome. I believe that St. Francis is the example par excellence of care for the vulnerable and of an integral ecology lived out joyfully and authentically. He is the patron saint of all who study and work in the area of ecology, and he is also much loved by non-Christians. He was particularly concerned for God's creation and for the poor and outcast. He loved and was deeply loved for his joy, his generous self-giving, his open-heartedness. He was a mystic and a pilgrim who lived in simplicity and in watchful harmony with God, with others, with nature, and with himself. He shows us just how inseparable the bond is between concern for nature, justice for the poor, commitment to society, and interior peace. Francis helps us see that integral ecology calls for openness to categories which transcend the language of mathematics and biology and take us to the heart of what it is to be human. Just as happens when we fall in love with someone, whenever he would gaze at the sun, the moon, or the smallest of animals, he burst into song, drawing all other creatures into his praise. He communed with all creation, even preaching to the flowers, inviting them to praise the Lord just as if they were endowed with reason. His response to the world around him was so much more than intellectual appreciation or economic calculus, for to him, each and every creature was a sister united to him by bonds of affection. That is why he felt called to care for all that exists. His disciple, St. Bonaventure, tells us that, quote, from a reflection on the primary source of all things, filled with even more abundant piety, he would call creatures, no matter how small, by the name of brother or sister. Such a conviction cannot be written off as naive romanticism, for it affects the choices which determine our behavior. If we approach nature and the environment without this openness to awe and wonder, if we no longer speak the language of fraternity and beauty in our relationship with the world, our attitude will be that of masters, consumers, ruthless exploiters, unable to set limits on their immediate needs. By contrast, if we feel intimately united with all that exists, then sobriety and care will well up spontaneously. 
the poverty and austerity of St. Francis were no mere veneer of ascetism, but something much more radical, a refusal to turn reality into an object simply to be used and controlled. What is more, St. Francis, faithful to scripture, invites us to see nature as a magnificent book in which God speaks to us and grants us a glimpse of his infinite beauty and goodness. Through the greatness and beauty of creatures, one comes to know by analogy their maker. Indeed, his eternal power and divinity have been made known through his works since the creation of the world. For this reason, Francis asked that part of the friary garden always be left untouched so that wildflowers and herbs could grow there and those who saw them could raise their minds to God, the creator of such beauty. Rather than a problem to be solved, the world is a joyful mystery to be contemplated with gladness and appreciation. The urgent challenge to protect our common home includes a concern to bring the whole human family together to seek a sustainable and integral development, for we know that things can change. The Creator does not abandon us. He never forsakes His loving plan or repents of having created us. Humanity still has the ability to work together in building our common home. Here I want to recognize, encourage and thank all those striving in countless ways to guarantee the protection of the home which we share. Particular appreciation is owed to those who tirelessly seek to resolve the tragic effects of environmental degradation on the lives of the world's poorest. Young people demand change. They wonder how anyone can claim to be building a better future without thinking of the environmental crisis and the sufferings of the excluded. I urgently appeal then for a new dialogue about how we are shaping the future of our planet. We need a conversation which includes everyone, since the environmental challenge we are undergoing and its human roots concern and affect us all. The worldwide ecological movement has already made considerable progress and led to the establishment of numerous organizations committed to raising awareness of these challenges. Regrettably, many efforts to seek concrete solutions to the environmental crisis have proved ineffective, not only because of powerful opposition, but also because of a more general lack of interest. Obstructionist attitudes, even on the part of believers, can range from denial of the problem to indifference, nonchalant resignation, or blind confidence in technical solutions. We require a new and universal solidarity. As the bishops of Southern Africa have stated, everyone's talents and involvement are needed to redress the damage caused by human abuse of God's creation. All of us can cooperate as instruments of God for the care of creation, each according to his or her own culture, experience, involvements, and talents. It is my hope that this encyclical letter, which is now added to the body of the Church's social teaching, can help us to acknowledge the appeal, immensity, and urgency of the challenge we face. I will begin by briefly reviewing several aspects of the present ecological crisis with the aim of drawing on the results of the best scientific research available today, letting them touch us deeply and provide a concrete foundation for the ethical and spiritual itinerary that follows. I will then consider some principles drawn from the Judeo-Christian tradition which can render our commitment to the environment more coherent. I will then attempt to get to the roots of the present situation, so as to consider not only its symptoms, 
but also its deepest causes. This will help to provide an approach to ecology which respects our unique place as human beings in this world and our relationship to our surroundings. In light of this reflection, I will advance some broader proposals for dialogue and action which would involve each of us as individuals and also affect international policy. Finally, convinced as I am that change is impossible without motivation and a process of education, I will offer some inspired guidelines for human development to be found in the treasure of Christian spiritual experience. Although each chapter will have its own subject and specific approach, it will also take up and re-examine important questions previously dealt with. This is particularly the case with a number of themes which will appear as the encyclical unfolds. As examples, I will point to the intimate relationship between the poor and the fragility of the planet, the conviction that everything in the world is connected, the critique of new paradigms and forms of power derived from technology, the call to seek other ways of understanding the economy and progress, the value proper to each creature, the human meaning of ecology, the need for forthright and honest debate, the serious responsibility of international and local policy, the throwaway culture, and the proposal of a new lifestyle. These questions will not be dealt with once and for all, but reframed and enriched again and again. And thus closes paragraph 16 of Laudato Si. Already in just the first 16 paragraphs of this document, the Pope has really painted a very, very vivid picture, and he's noted more than once the idea of nature being this lavish, intricate, very, very um, complex book in which everything is concerned. First, he quotes Pope Benedict XVI, and he says, Benedict observed that the world cannot be analyzed by isolating only one of its aspects, since the book of nature is one and indivisible, and includes the environment, life, sexuality, the family, social rela relations, and so forth. And we could keep expanding. In paragraph 7, he goes on, the Pope, the Pope's echo the, these reflections, and so do numerous scientists, philosophers, theologians, and civil groups, all weighing in on the issue. In other words, this is what integral ecology means, that it's not a standalone issue, but it somehow pervades every other issue, and every other issue then therefore affects ecology. And if it is our common home, then it affects everyone. It affects our very safety and well-being, our livelihood. Um, in paragraph 12 there, the Pope is now moved on from Benedict, but he's speaking of St. Francis himself. And he says, what is more, St. Francis, faithful to the scripture, invites us to see nature as a magnificent book in which God speaks to us and grants us a glimpse of his infinite beauty and goodness. He goes on to cite Wisdom chapter 13, where every creature becomes an analogy of God. He cites the book of the letter to the Romans, his eternal power and divinity have been made known through his works since the creation of the world. And this appreciation for that which is wild. You know, it says here, for this reason, Francis asked that part of the friary garden was always left untouched so that the wild flowers and herbs could grow there and have their place in the ontological canvas, the spectrum, the beautiful art piece that God has created there and in their own right, give praise to God. The last thing I'd say here is that the Pope makes it very clear that he's not trying to give pat answers to the ecological crisis and its many 
different aspects. You know, he says there in conclusion in paragraph 16, these questions will not be dealt with once and for all as the document unfolds. He signposts everything that he intends to unpack here. They will not be answered and dealt with once and for all, but will be reframed and enriched again and again and again because these ideas are complex and many people weigh in from their different perspectives, their different areas of expertise. Look at paragraph six, uh, 14 rather, where he says, I urgently appeal then for a new dialogue. A dialogue is a conversation, and it's a conversation with people who are specialists in all these different areas. Please, God, all their wisdom and, and intuition comes together. You know, in the church, we believe that truth can't contradict truth. So we would hope and we would trust that when all those different um, people with their specific niche areas of, of knowledge and intuition come together, sure, there's going to be um, discourse, and, and at one point, the Pope even says here, paragraph 16, he says, um, the critique of new paradigms and forms of power and, uh, sorry, one sec. Um, he says here, um, the critique of new paradigms and forms of power, of technology, the call to seek new ways of understanding economy and progress, the value of the proper the, va the value proper to each creature, the human meaning of ecology. So this is concerning a whole lot of things that people get very invested in. And then he says there, the need for a forthright and honest debate. I love that. It's, it's understood that there's going to be disagreement when we come together. We're going to have to canvas our ideas well. We're going to have to um, be a, be uh, transparent about our concerns, whether they be geopolitical or economic or civil or um, you know um, employment opportunities or anything like that. All of this has to be brought honestly to the table so that there's no hidden agendas here, but we are genuinely coming together as family to discuss and to put our hands on the plow to safeguard this, our earth, our common home, the great gift that God has given us to, to steward here. So let's continue as we are through this document and allow it to challenge us and allow it to unsettle us. But for now, let's end in prayer and, and, and hand it all back to God. We'll pray the second, the last prayer in Laudato Si, a Christian prayer in union with creation. And then we'll pray um, what's called a prayer of conversion from the ACBC um, JEP office. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A Christian prayer in union with creation. Father, we praise you with all your creatures. They came forth from your all-powerful hand. They are yours, filled with your presence and your tender love. Praise be to you. Son of God, Jesus, through you all things were made. You were formed in the womb of Mary, our mother. You became part of this earth. You gazed upon this world with human eyes. Today you are alive in every creature in your risen glory. Praise be to you. Holy Spirit, by your light, you guide this world toward the Father's love and accompany a creation as it groans in travail. You also dwell in our hearts and you inspire us to do what is good. Praise be to you. Triune Lord, wondrous community of infinite love, Teach us to contemplate you in the beauty of the universe, for all things speak of you. Awaken our praise and thankfulness for every being that you have made. Give us the grace to feel profoundly joined to everything that is. God of love, 
show us our place in this world as channels of your love. For all the as channels of your love for all the creatures of this earth. For not one of them is forgotten in your sight. Enlighten those who possess power and money, that they may avoid the sin of indifference, that they may love the common good and advance the weak, and care for this world in which we live. The poor and the earth are crying out. O Lord, seize us with your power and light. Help us to protect all life, to prepare a better future, for the coming of your kingdom of justice, peace, love, and beauty. Praise be to you. Amen. And a prayer for conversion. A prayer of conversion. Ever-present God, giver and sustainer of everything that has life, maker and fulfillment of all that exists, although we fail to respect your creation, Listen to the prayers of our heart. We too are creatures. Turn our hearts to your love and care for all creation. With you we gave names to all living things. Turn our minds to your vision of the heavens and the earth. We live off the bounty of earth, sea and sky. Turn our hands to your stewardship. Through Christ in whom all things are made and are held in being, we pray for the power of your spirit to transform our words to transform our words and actions to care more deeply for all creatures to save what is threatened to mourn what is lost to seek Christ in the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor and to give glory to your name through all creation amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.